You stinking lucky dogs. Wow. We're in week two of this series that we started last Sunday that probably will take us into uh, when school starts back. But uh, the series that, that we started is called, called Give Me a Break, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can be turning to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Anybody remember Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible? Anybody remember from last week what the first five books of the Bible is called? The Pentateuch, right, which means the law. Deuteronomy actually means the second law because it's kind of a, a recounting uh, of the laws that were given to Moses in the, in the book of Exodus. And, and so really kind of the idea for this series, uh, in the summer we, we kind of shift gears. Uh, you often can see it in, in how our numbers are reflected in the church. Uh, but that's all well and good because people, a lot of times in the summer, uh, take a time uh, to take a break, right? A, a time to, to get some rest, some relaxation, to get uh, uh, renewed, refreshed, and, and rejuvenated. We talked about uh, last week, and, and many people will take a trip uh, to do this. They will go away on purpose to get away from the job, to get away from the busyness of life and, and plan a vacation. But what if we didn't have to go anywhere? What if we didn't have to travel anywhere? What if we didn't have to drive anywhere or catch an airplane to be able to get uh, some rest and some refreshing and renewal in our lives. What if we could just do that, uh, could experience that in our heart and in our souls right here, you know, right now, uh, today in our relationship with God. So this new series that we're in is talking about this, this idea that, you know, we can find a much needed break from life, a much needed break uh, for renewal that we can find in the Ten Commandments that are recorded in the Old Testament. Uh, these commandments are like 3,500 years old. Uh, they've withstood the test of time by all means, but some people look at these commandments and they go, you know, it's outdated. Uh, these commandments uh, are just a bunch of rules that we've got to follow. Uh, some people may view the Ten Commandments like a checklist of things that we have to do in order to keep God happy with us. Uh, and we talked about last week that a lot of people just don't like rules, right? Because people, some people feel like rules limit them or limit our freedoms, uh, especially if we don't understand the rules. We, we don't like the rules. And, and so my hope is, is that while we look at some of these commandments over the next few weeks, that we will see them and we will view them in a way that we may have in the past. That we'll maybe have a new perspective of just what God meant by giving us uh, these Ten Commandments. That instead of them being something that we have to do, instead there's something that we get to do, right? Because we talked about last week about how God basically gave them for us uh, as uh, to identify and to show us the boundaries 
that we're allowed to play in, to work in, right? We used the sandbox analogy last week. And if you weren't here, hey, you can download that new app that they were telling you about earlier and you can listen to it. Uh, you could actually listen to it during this message if you wanted to. Cause, but I think that I like this one better than last week. So just stay with us a little while. But, but anyway, we talked about that. Last week, we saw the importance of knowing this about the Ten Commandments as well. And it's that grace always comes before the law. And this is what we saw and we learned last week. Before God ever gave his people the Ten Commandments, before he ever uh, gave us these commandments, he showed his people favor, didn't he? He showed them grace. Before he gave them these commandments, he heard their cries, didn't he? And when they were in bondage and when they were in slavery, we learned the Ten Commandments Ten Commandments actually start out by God reminding his people, I'm the one who rescued you, right? And, and that's grace. He, he delivered them. He rescued them. God already loved his people. He had already saved them, and grace precedes the law. Now, the reason all that matters to us that are here today is because we need to understand that everything that we need in order to be in a relationship with God, we already have, okay? Everything that we need in order to be in relationship with God, we already have. We already have God's love. We already have God's grace. And we don't have to earn that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. These commandments were not given to us as a way for us to be able to earn God's love, God's grace, or God's forgiveness. But we learned last week that these commandments, they were given to us as, as some boundaries so that we can continue uh, in those blessings. We can continue to protect God's blessings uh, in our life. And by living within the boundaries of what God has given us, then we can experience the life that he has for us and have it more abundantly. Now, uh, you know, I, this morning I was in the early service, I was kind of explaining it to them in, in a different way. Last week we thought about it in terms of the sandbox and we're talking about these boundaries and, and it's almost like many of you are property owners and it's important to us all when we own property that we know where the property lines are, right? Because uh, if, if we get outside the property line, some of you have those, you know, those grouchy neighbors that are, are pitching a fit. If you've got your fence six inches over on the property line, I mean, there's been shootings over property lines and so it's important for us to know where those are and within the parameters and the property lines that God has given us we can have all the fun we can do all that we want to do as long as we're doing it within his boundaries on his property right uh, if you will and so you know I believe that at the Ten Commandments this morning, if we look at them through the right perspective, that it, will, it can give us this sense of being refreshed and renewed and this rejuvenation in our spiritual lives. So this morning, I might have to slow down, getting ahead of myself. This morning, we're going to be looking at commandment number three, all right? Commandment number three of the Ten Commandments. And commandment number three is primarily all about God's name, Okay? Now, there is something very, very important about a name. 
And if you don't think that there's something very, very important about a name, I just encourage you to go down to the revenue office <laughs> and experience that for just a little while without any ID or some confusion about a name. I, I recently was, was down at the revenue office getting some tags transferred on a vehicle because, you know, we trade vehicles a lot in my house. So, uh, and so I was recently down there getting some, some tags transferred on, on a truck that I had. And, and some of you may not know this, but my wife's name, many of you know her by the name Lynette, okay? Her name is not Lynette. Yeah, shock to some of you. She's actually in the witness protection program, and so her <laughs> I'm kidding. Her name, her first name is actually Laura, and her middle name is Lynette. All right, so in the you know that sometimes creates some confusion and some problems, especially when it comes to paperwork and and traveling and things like that. But but all the paperwork in this particular vehicle I was transferring the tags on, in the paperwork they had listed and typed in the contracts Steve and Laura Thrasher. All right, and everywhere that she had signed, she had signed her name Lynette. All right, so I get down to the revenue office, and, and I don't know why you can never go to the revenue office and do stuff the first time. I don't understand that. I think they just like to see us over and over again. But, but anyway, you know, I go down there, and I, I say, okay, here it is. What do I not have? Because I never have anything, right? And, and so, you know, they, they, they wouldn't complete the, the paperwork until she had signed her name the way it appeared on the contract. And so names are very important, right? They're very important. And, and what's crazy about this is there's probably somebody or maybe multiple people in this world that has the exact same name that you have, right? And within that, that can create some confusion. I know a guy that was telling me one time, he got a phone call at his house. He said, I picked up the phone and I proceeded to take the, the worst verbal abuse and the worst cussing that I've ever taken in my life about how I would ripped somebody off, right? And he says, the longer I sat there and listened to that, he said, I began to realize, and he said, I began to figure out what was going on. But he said, it was somebody else that had the exact same name that I had, and they just looked the name up in the phone book, and, but they had the wrong person. And some of you may have experienced something like that uh, in your life before, uh, you know, mistaken identity, where somebody else and their ch choices and their decisions had tarnished your name or maybe tarnished your credit or, or something along those lines, but it wasn't actually you. But your name and your reputation listen, can sometimes be compromised by somebody else's actions or somebody else's decisions. Your name is important. But as important as your name is, the name of God is far greater and much more important than our names will ever be. Okay, and, and when we understand that, I believe we will begin to see the power of this third commandment that God gives to his people and that God gives to us. And here's how God says it in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse number 11. God says this. He said, you must not misuse what? You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. 
Now, for a long time, I, I, you know, when I was a kid, we had to memorize the Ten Commandments. And so for a long time, I thought when I would, you know, quote or read that commandment, I thought that this was all about God not wanting us to use foul language, right? That this was a command about not using his name as a cuss word. And while I would, I definitely agree, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it doesn't have that meaning in it, you know, it's definitely a misuse of God's name to use it in vain, I also believe that the principle of this command goes much, much farther than that. And and don't miss the second part of what God is saying here in this command. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So after giving the commandment here, not to misuse his name, he then goes on to issue a warning to give us a warning about the potential consequences of us misusing his name. And, and I don't know about you, but that is just kind of interesting to me that he does that here. Because later on in the Ten Commandments, we see this command that says, Thou shalt not murder. And, and I believe that all of us would probably agree that taking someone's life would have a greater consequence associated to it than just saying a cuss word, right? And we might look at this and wonder, why would he tie a consequence to something that seems less significant than some of the other commands that he gave us where he doesn't do that? Like murder, for an example. And so, unless this commandment and the principle behind this commandment is actually something much bigger than we have ever seen and much bigger than we have ever realized and it's so much more than just being about foul language. You see, this commandment is less about our language and more about how you represent his name. All right, so in the, in the King James Version, what does this command sound like? Some of you tell me. Oh, come on. Huh? What is it, Frank? Frank got the whole King James Version memorized. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Right? Along those lines. Don't miss where he's saying, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. So what happens when we get married? Most of the time, our, our wife, our spouse, the female, will take the name of the male. You see what he's saying here? Don't take my name and then misuse it. And and so, you you know, think about it. When we think about somebody's name, what do we mean when we talk about their name? If I were to say that that Frankie had a good name, or or if I would, you you know, to to say that that somebody had a a good business, what what would I be saying uh, about? you know, that name, what, what am I saying? We're, we're saying they have a good reputation, right? If I say Frankie has a good name, I'd say Frankie has a good reputation. If I said that company had a good name, I'd be saying that's a respectable company. That's a respectable business to be uh, uh, associated with. There is a reputation that is associated with your name, all right? Or, or sometimes a name carries authority with it. Sometimes we hear a name and we automatically think of a a position or what authority goes along with that name. For example, 
If I said the name Sammy Joe Hartwick, what would you think? Mayor of Greenbrier. I mean, there's automatically an association that takes place with a name. If I were to say the name Scott Spainauer, what would you think? Shannon's husband. You know? No, we think superintendent of schools, right? We hear Scott Spainauer, we immediately think superintendent. And, and so, you know, sometimes uh, reputation and authority are tied to a name. So let's keep that in mind this morning as we look at this commandment that, that God gave us. Uh, and what God is saying is this, I don't want you to misrepresent my name, right? He, he's saying, don't misuse my reputation. Don't misuse my authority. Don't do something that not only tarnishes your name and your reputation, but by all means, do not tarnish my name and my reputation. And, and we see this as I was thinking about it. You know, we, we see kids do this. Uh, just kind of give you an example of what this might look like. You, some of you, uh, especially those of you that the grandparents live maybe close and in the area, we, we see our children do this maybe, but, but, but you catch your kids doing something they're not supposed to do, and without hesitation, this will come out of their mouth. Grandma lets me do it, right? So what are they doing here? They're, they're trying to place some authority within the name of grandma. But grandma has no authority in this house, right? Unless she's there, right? <laughs> they're misrepresenting grandma's authority. And not only are they tarnishing their own precious little reputations, but now they're tarnishing grandma's reputation because there's not a grandma in the world that would say, it's okay for you to take a paper clip and stick it in an electrical outlet. So they've tarnished the authority of grandma and they've tarnished their own reputation. But seriously, the issue here is, is that people from time to time will do the very same thing with God's authority and with his name. And when we take things that we know that are outside these boundaries, when we take things that we know that are outside the property lines, outside the sandbox of what God desires for us, we, we bring his name into it in a way that co could compromise his authority and, and reputation in the eyes of the people that are around us, that are, are watching it and looking on. Some of you may have heard this uh, before, but, but I've heard people say, that were in an extramarital affair. They were having an affair outside of their marriage. And I've heard people say, well, I believe that this other person is the person that God intends for me to be with. This other person outside my marriage is my soulmate. This is what God wants for me. No. No, this is never what God wants for you. But people will bring the name of God into a situation or a decision in order to do what? In order to justify living outside the boundaries, living outside the property line. And they'll bring God's name into it and try to bring God's authority into the situation. And not only is that person's reputation damaged now by bringing God's name and God's authority into it, they've now damaged his name 
and his reputation. That's misusing God's name. All right? That's misusing God's reputation. That's misusing God's authority. Now, we don't, we don't really talk about it a, a lot in church and, and don't maybe hear even a lot about it, but there was a very dark time that happened in the church. There was a very dark time that happened uh, in church history back between the 11th and the 13th centuries, okay? There was about a 200-year span uh, there that was called the Crusades, and, and some of you may have never heard of it. Some of you may be fully aware of what the Crusades were, but this was a time when followers of Jesus took up their swords and they literally killed other people because they had a different faith or a different religion. And they did it all in God's name. There were 1.7 million people that were killed in these wars and they were nothing more than religious wars. And there are atheists today, there are atheist groups today who look back to that time in history that were called the Crusades and the reason they won't believe in God, the reason they say that they can never trust God is because of those types of actions by people who profess to be Christians. Now, I don't want to minimize what took place there. It was tragic and it was horrible. And and I don't want to minimize that at all, but let's be honest. Since then, the world has been filled with lots and lots of wars. And even wars that took more lives than were taken during the crusade. So why do people look at those crusades as something that is so bad and so much worse? Well, it's because it was conducted in God's name. And when you take God's name and you apply it to hate-filled evil acts that's messed up and it compromises the authority and the reputation of God and God says do not misuse my name don't misuse it also and this command is about so much more do you see than just using bad language because what is at stake is so much more significant. And so when we look at God's commandments, all right, I, I think it's more refreshing for us to, uh, you know, spiritually not to just look at what we shouldn't do, right, but look at the Ten Commandments through this lens of the boundaries that God intended and think about what we should do. Okay, so if we shouldn't misuse his name, what should we be doing? This is not about what we have to do. All right, I hope you get this this morning. This is not about what we have to do. This is absolutely about what we get to do. And what do we get to do? God wants us to represent his name. That's what we get to do. We get to represent him. We don't misuse his name, but we do have the opportunity to represent his name. We get to represent his name. Think about it. What an amazing privilege that we have. It's an an amazing honor to be able to represent the greatest living being in the entire universe. And we get to be his representative. 
We get to represent him. He's our creator. He's our maker. He's the one who redeemed us. The one and only one true God has entrusted his name to you and to me. He's entrusted us with that. And we have this incredible opportunity to take the name of God, to take the reputation of God, and the authority of God into this world for one sole purpose, and that's to make his name great in this world, right? You and I exist. You and I were created to bring glory to his name. How awesome is that? That he would create you as messed up as you are, right? To represent him, to bring him glory uh, in this world. And, And so what does that look like? What does it look like for us to to represent him? How do we represent his name in this world? Well, I think the first thing that we have to do is respect his name. We sang earlier about the power in the name of Jesus. Can I just tell you? You better respect the power. (laughs) Uh, Some of you know, I, I may have shared this story before, but it's my story and I'll tell it as many times as I want to. So if you've heard it before, just pretend like you haven't. And if you have already heard it before, I probably will tell it different this time, so listen anyway. But a few years ago, Lynette and I, we had bought a house uh, over at the bottom of Horseshoe Mountain. I'd been repossessed. It it was horrible. We were remodeling it, trying to live in it, remodel it. Uh, Just a a constant state of work uh, at our house. It seems like that's the way it is. Like I said last week, she wears me out. Uh, all the projects are never done. And when they get done, she sells the house and buys a bigger project. But anyway, in this house, Lynette uh, decided she wanted me to replace the light uh, in the the dining room. Okay. She wanted me to take the light out and and put a a new chandelier in there. And and so I can do that. All right. Changing the lights really not a big deal. Uh, you, You turn off the light, you take down the old one, you know, put the new one back up, wire it the same and and it's all good. I can, I can do that. So I turn off the light. I get up on the ladder. I crawl up there. Uh, and, and she's like, you know, shouldn't you turn the power off before you start working on this light? And, and, and I'm like, Lynette, the switch is off. Okay. So here's the deal. When the switch is off, I don't know if you ever noticed this before. I try not to talk down to her because she's so much more intelligent than I am. She's got three or four degrees. But Lynette, if the switch is off and the light is not on, there's no electricity going to it. Okay? So, so let's just establish that there's no electricity, no light on, no power to it. And she goes, well, don't you think you might ought to just turn the breaker off just to be safe? Lynette. <laughs> Okay, I know what I'm doing. This isn't my first light. I know what I'm doing. The switch is off. There's no electricity going to the light. So I take the old one down. You know, I've got the new one going up. I'm connecting the wire. I've got the first wire connected. Got a wire nut on it. I'm doing it right. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I've got the second wire in my hand along with the other wire, and I'm about to connect them together. And one of my towhead little kids runs through the house, and he says, why are you working on that with the light off? And flips the switch. (laughs) Uh, 
And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but your body is a great conductor of electricity. All right, because I kid you not, I have one wire in one hand and one wire in the other hand and the light came on. All right, so I've completed the circuit and almost tore the brand new chandelier completely out of the ceiling and Lynette was saying ugly words that I can't repeat. And I'm kidding, she wasn't. But, uh, you know, I, I, learned, I learned an important lesson that day. You got to respect the power. <laughs> as awesome and as good as electricity is, I mean, think about it. Lights are homes. It's halfway keeping this building cool today, right? It brings us college football into our living rooms on Saturdays in the fall. I mean, how awesome is that? Electricity is awesome, but you have to respect it. It's a good thing, but you've got to respect it because there's so much power behind it. And so we have to re recognize the same thing when it comes to the name of God and the power behind the name of God. His name is to be respected because God's name is so powerful. So what is God's name? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about his name as you read it and as you, you study it. And, and what you'll find as you begin to look for what is God's name and, and what does it mean in Scripture, you will find that his name is so majestic and his name is so powerful that there's not just one name of God recorded in the Scripture that can describe him. There are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of names for the name of God throughout the Scripture. And I just wanted to give you a few this morning, just a little snapshot of what Scripture says about the name of God. It says that his name is the Great I Am. <laughs> he is the Mighty One, the Lord his name is Everlasting God, the Rock, the One who provides. Jim, his name is Healer. <laughs> He's our Good Shepherd. It, it says that his name is Creator. He's our Maker. He's the Righteous One. He's our Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Prince of Peace. He's an everlasting Father. His name is Holy One. He is the light to the nations, our fortress. He is the tower of strength and our shield. His name is Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Savior. He is the King of kings and King of glory. He's the Lord of all the earth. His name is the Word of God and the Word of life. His name is Abba, our Father. His name is Emmanuel. He is the cornerstone. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is spotless. He is the Lamb who was slain. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He 
He is the beginning and he will be the end. He is so amazing and so inspiring. He's so captivating that there's not just one word that can fully describe him. (laughs) But as I was studying this and looking through this, I thought if there was just one word that would describe him, You know, probably the greatest word, the greatest adjective that we have often to try to describe God and who he is and what he is to us is the word awesome. That's the biggest word I can think of that has the most power behind it. But if there is one name that could describe all of these things about God and who he is, I believe that name would be love. That's who he is. That's his name. And we have this amazing opportunity to use his name, to carry his name like a banner into the world, right? We don't have to. We get to. We don't have to. We get the opportunity to carry the banner of his name into this world. And when we go into the world carrying the name of Jesus, what are we carrying? We're carrying mercy and we're carrying grace and we're carrying forgiveness. We're carrying all these things when we go into this world and we extend grace. When we go into this world and we extend mercy and his compassion and his unconditional love. We carry his name and we represent his name in all the world. And what do we do? We make the name of our God great in all the world and in the lives of other people. Jesus said it kind of like this in the gospel of Matthew chapter 22. I want us to look real quickly before we close and what Jesus said in verse 37 through 40. He's quoting here, and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He says this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't miss this. Jesus goes on to say this. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments commandments notice what he says here the entire law this third commandment of the ten commandments all the ten commandments for every commandment that God has ever given they all point to this idea of a God who so radically loved you That in response of that back to him, the greatest two commandments in our lives are to love him and to love other people. And here's the deal. Some of the most, and some of you can relate to this, some of the most kind, some of the most forgiving, some of the most understanding people that I have ever met in my entire life We're followers of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, the truth also is this, that some of the most condemning, some of the most judgmental, 
some of the most hate-filled people that I've ever met in my life have called themselves Christian. And I would argue that only one of these groups of people represents the name of our great God. <laughs> and the other group are misusing his name. We are called to love, and we can never bring the name of God into a situation of hate because that is not who God is. God is a God of love, and we don't misuse God's name. But what a, an incredible opportunity we have to be able to represent his name, to represent his love. So this morning, I believe that what God just wants to do in our hearts and our lives is he just wants to speak this into our lives today and say, hey, listen, don't forget, you represent me. <laughs> I don't represent you. You represent me. You represent my name. You represent my reputation. You represent my authority. And you know, my prayer has been over this past week as I've, I've studied this and I've thought about this, my prayer for all of us today is this, that we don't mess it up. <laughs> People have all, often talked about the great uh, uh, Greenbrier Nazarene Church and will ask me, they say, you know, you know, what are you doing? I hear things are going great over there. Y'all growing, got all this exciting stuff going on. And people say, what are you doing? I said, I'm just doing my best not to mess it up, Right? And so that's been my prayer for us, is that we wouldn't tarnish his name. We won't tarnish his reputation. We won't misuse his authority, but live our lives in such a way that his name is glorified in our world. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this incredible reminder today of who you are. You are unlimited, and we are so limited, and we need you. God, I continue to pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to stir us, would continue to do a work in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, and in this world. God, we love you so much today, and we thank you for who you are to us, and your name is so powerful. What you have done is so incredible. And God, you created every single one of us to represent you, to bring you glory, to bring you honor, to be a reflection of who you are. I thank you for the reminder today that you are love, and we are to be love. So God, help us never to misuse your name, misuse uh, your authority, or to tarnish your reputation. I pray that we would be quick to extend love, quick to extend grace, and quick to extend forgiveness, because you have done that for us. And we didn't deserve it either, but you did it anyway through sending your son Jesus to that cross. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. Now, I pray that we would walk out of here as a beautiful church full of representatives that are representing you and making you look even better. Find us faithful. Find us obedient. We'll be careful to praise you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.